Hello everyone, welcome back to the platform. This is the Station House Audio Series. We are once again back at the Via Rail TMC in Mimico, Ontario. Chris, do you remember what Mimico, where the name Mimico comes from? Yeah, it's a... Skill testing question. It is a very skill testing question. I'm going to end the interview right now, and, <laughs> and we're going no further if you can't answer. Well, it's a... Um, I, bu I believe it's, a, it's an old uh, um, uh, Native Indian term. And it means place of the. Yeah, I was going to say dead pigeon, but it has nothing to do with the no, dead pigeon. I'm pretty it has sure it's not dead pigeons. But it has everything to do with 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 uh, place of the pigeons. Place of the resting wild pigeons. Resting wild pigeons. Yes. Yeah. Now yeah. part of now part of the GTA and a parcel of land where Via decided to build a maintenance center. Yeah, yeah. The place of the resting pigeons. Place of the resting pigeons. Now, I know you have friends. It's been a while here, but... since I've talked to you, so I mean, I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> Maybe not the tell time. them that they're uh, they're fixing and repairing uh, via equipment on the the, the uh, place, place of, of the, the resting, resting pigeon. pigeon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Chris, last time we were together, we talked about sixty nine seventeen, the uh, LRC locomotive that was lovingly preserved by you and a crew of volunteers, owned by the Toronto Railway Museum, and is actually sitting one track over from where we are right that, now. That's correct. It's yes. right right beside it's us on the next right track there, over. Yeah. So last time uh, you told us how you were introduced to uh, Jason Schron. Uh, Jason would actually benefit uh, from a, a little zap of enthusiasm. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he, let's, he's, let's, he's let's. a little sanguine sometimes about things, and uh, I, I think that he could switch to the deca to the uh, caffeinated oh, coffee boy. and uh, yeah. <laughs> zing it up a bit. Sure. So. We talked about 6917, and, and Jason and, and Rapido have sort of um, superintended the, the preservation of, of the LRC locomotive built in 82. Uh, we, last time we likened it to, uh, if, it was, if it was food, if the LRC was, was a meal or a food item, it would be a Tim Hortons double-double with a maple dip. That's correct. Or a Canadian maple. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the absolutely. Canadian tire of locomotives. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Actually, there is a bunch of Canadian tire parts in that yeah, one right I'm now. Sure and at yeah. one time, Caterpillar batteries. This is true, yes. yeah. Let's move on to, uh, we'll end with Edmonston, which is the car we're sitting in. Talk to me about, is it 6133? 33. Three, 33. Yeah. RDC, yeah. rail diesel car, rail or bud car, car, or bud car, yeah. known or, by those of us who, who love them. Yeah. Uh, tell us the story of yeah. 6133. Well, uh... CP would call it a dayliner since that is a dayliner since that is a CP car or a Dominion Atlantic car. Um, oh, it was DAR. Yeah, it was. It was a DAR it was a car. DAR yeah, car. Yeah, okay. Originally, it was a DAR. So it car. spent some time in the Annapolis Valley. Oh, of absolutely. Nova Scotia. That's correct. It did. Yep. Yep. Um, I did not. I didn't put that together. Yes, it is. Oh, how yeah. cool is that? Yeah, it's a CPR car, um, or a DAR car, because I will. Yeah. And Dayliner is CP parlance. That's correct. Where a rail liner is CNs. We don't care about CNs. Oh, come Let's on. stick to this. Oh, here we go. <laughs> did you see the shirt I'm wearing? I did. Yeah, I did see the shirt you're wearing. I don't have a noodle what's, on me right now. So What's this, lo <laughs> what's this logo called, Chris? What's what, this, what, 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 what does CP call? What's this logo what, what, called? What, 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 that Pac-Man thing? Oh. Now, the coffee cup is full. <laughs> and it's hot. Tell me about 6133, uh, where, how, it, how it came to be, and tell us the whole story. So, okay, in uh, 2016, and it was just January. I mean, we're talking right after the new year. And um, um, I'm sitting at home, and the phone rings. And I, I have a look, and it's, it's Jason. I pick it up. I go, hey, what's, what's going on? And he says to me, what are you doing Thursday? Um, I'm working. No, can you get off? Probably. We're going to Moncton. Excuse me? <laughs> He's like, yeah, um, I need you in Moncton if, if, if it's possible. And I said, yeah, I could, let me downshift this in my mind for a minute here. You want to go to Moncton? How long? Just a day. We're going down to Moncton for a day and then flying back. I had never done this. You before, got the Thursday right? flu. Yeah, right. It's easy. It's Make easy. a call. Right. And uh, well, I, I kind of did actually. <laughs> I, um, 
I had actually a uh, a floater day, and I I, I was able to uh, exercise the floater day, so which which worked out very very well. But yes, yeah, so we flew down to Moncton, and and the reason why is because um, Jason had gotten a um, knowledge of IRSI, um, which is the a, a uh, industrial rail services of Moncton, was closing down. They were. Uh, they had they had closed. They had went bankrupt, and the new owners were coming in, and all the stuff that was left over abandoned there, other than all the shop stuff they had already sold off. All the I R S I I. Yes. Do you know what that? I uh, like to spell out the acronyms if we if we can. Industrial Rail Services Incorporated. Okay, and they're in Moncton, New Brunswick. We're in Moncton, New Brunswick. They were in the Gordon shop, the old diesel shop in Gordon Yard in Moncton, New okay. Brunswick. Okay. And um, what were they doing with RDCs? Well, they had started a uh, um, a rail refurbishing company, and uh, because a lot of their uh, they had gotten into rebuilding, um, they got some contracts to uh, rebuild some via rail stuff, and they were very very good and keen on rebuilding bud cars because oh, okay. a so lot a lot of that was their business that was their business okay well that makes sense that's why these bud cars were there that's correct so yeah. they they okay. had went around and bought a bunch of bud cars from many different places because uh, they need a frame to start with and then you can rebuild it from there um anyways they had gone the way of the dodo and uh, they had abandoned all their stuff. The creditors had gone through the building already and then sold off all the machinery. So it was basically just an empty shell, the building. But we had probably 24, maybe 30, I don't know how many, bud cars just sitting in the yard. Some down the tail track into the bush, just sitting out there. And in various, not, not completed, 90% of them were just shells. There was nothing in them. There was no engines. They had wheels under them, but that was it. So, What were you feeling at the time when you saw Well, that? when I went down there in uh, February at this point, it was, uh, I think, the first week of February. Nice warm February day. <laughs> oh, my God. In Moncton? In Moncton. Was, was the there... snow to your knees or your waist? There was to the waist in places. And, I mean, that. I mean, it was. It, most of the time it was to my knees, and then there was drifts up to my waist and then even some deeper places because I know I went along and I had to kind of... Yeah. I lived in Sudbury, so I know how deep the snow can get. Did and you have Jason and, tied and off it, to a tree or something? Well, J- Jason was, yeah, he kind of walked. I went ahead, and then when I fell down in the ditch that almost went up to my shoulders just about, he stopped and says, I'm not going in there. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Nice. And, and, well, he was following my track, so I was blazing. Must have been I was blazing a gut the track. punch, though, for a kid who grew up on the new market sub. Yeah. To see these things sort of just rusting away. Yeah, it was it was unbelievable. I mean, I think for both of us it really was because I mean they had started scrapping, so there was scrapper was on site ripping the stuff apart. They had a big claw there, and they they, they were literally taking the cars, uh, torching off the engines, torching off the pilots, torching everything else. They would take all the windows. They wouldn't smash anything. They take all the windows out, and then they would literally take the parrot claw and cut the thing in half, and then lift it up and put it on the back of the truck. And this is a big hydraulic scissor. Scissor that's on an excavator. I call it a parrot claw. It looks like it looks like a it looks like a, a parrot. Yeah. It looks like a parrot beak is what it looks yeah. like. But and to it, paint a word picture for yes, the listeners, it's absolutely. on the boom of an excavator where the bucket would normally Correct. be. Correct. It's just like a big, it's just like a big pincer off yeah. of a, off of a, um, oh. like a lobster or something. I can you know? imagine like being a, just... being a bud car fan and. You show up on the property and hear that ear-piercing metal crunch, crunch sound. Yeah, and that's what it was. I was I was standing there. Did Jason chain himself to one? You know. Uh he yeah he tried to, and then the parrot claw went and cut the chain. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good operator. Um. Anyway, yeah, it was it it was something because they would take it. They would. Uh, um, they were they were scrapping them. So what basically they would do is they would pull the center pins, grab the car, roll it on its side, cut anything else they needed off of it while it was on its side, cut it in half, lift it up, put it on a truck, and it would take it over to the recycling place, over to the scrapyard. And um, and that's just how easy it is to erase railway history. Correct. It's, it's very, that easy. It is. And, and I'm talking, the way I, I talk like that, it's almost that fast. It, 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 it takes them about... 
after they have all the stuff off the bottom of it and the pilots off, um, they basically cut it in half and it takes a, a, about two minutes to cut one of these things in half with the hydraulic machinery. And then they just lift it up, put it on the truck, chain it. takes them longer to chain it down than it did to scrap it. It's just unbelievable. Um, anyway, so while they were doing this and um, they weren't in really any particular rush, although they had a certain date and time that they needed to be off the property. So they knew we were there and they wanted us, they knew that we were looking at, at cars. So they weren't just scrapping and scrapping and scrapping immediately, but they were doing, uh, they, they were doing about probably one an hour. They could have done one an hour. And how many would you say were on the property when about, you arrived there? About 25. 25. Yeah. In various states so jason and i both we panicked because we were like 25 and they're doing like one an hour that's like three days and they're gone well maybe a little longer but i mean a week a week they're yeah. gone their history they're they're, they're gone in, yeah. in about and in no a, preservation plan for any of them no until you guys happened on the scene we happened on the on the scene and, and then the uh did they know you were coming yeah jason made a phone call and and, and talked to the uh um the people that own, I'm surprised that own they didn't them. get a cease and desist order from his lawyer. <laughs> yeah. uh, he, 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 he was pretty good uh, to us, as well as he realized after talking to Jason, they actually went through after that. They told the scrapper to, to just to relax. And then they went through. I wasn't there, but they went through, apparently, and kept some of the uh, decent ones and tried to offer them up to see if any bites would happen because they could make more money that way. So the really worst ones they scrapped. And the, and when I'm talking worst ones, there's there was basically nothing left of them. That was all that was going to become of them anyway. They were too far gone. They were too far gone. There was no engines. There was no floor in some of them. Uh, there was uh, um, no windows. Uh, it was a shell. There was no exhaust. There was no rads. There was no electrical everything was out of it it was basically you could use it as a shed but you'd have to put the windows back in it or board them up yeah. to do anything there was no trucks on some of them they were uh, well actually I, I won't say that <clears throat> they all had a set of trucks under them but not all of them had any drive axles or anything some of them were just it was just shop trucks so how tell me about how 6133 was picked from the litter so J jason asked me and um funny story we get on the plane to, to to go down there and i have all my equipment which means i have all my wheel gauges and and all my stuff because i don't know what i'm going into so i grabbed everything uh that i figured i would need to do an inspection on, on, on a railway car um and some of these gauges look different and i mean i don't know if you've ever seen wheel gauges they have sharp points and things on them and i mean i have seen a wheel and and uh the airport security really didn't know what these were. And I got stopped at uh, Pearson there and I uh, had a couple of people come over and said, what are these things? And I had to explain them to them. So they wrote a little thing saying scientific gauges. And uh, anyway, so that, that was a, that was fun. Um, Jason's standing over there looking at me like with his hands up in the air going, what's going on? I got like four security guys around me. <laughs> so I thought we were done right there, but uh, they let it go. It was okay. So anyways, we, we get down there. I got my gauges and everything else, and I'm, I'm, I'm wandering around looking for a car. And it was like, the uh, best way to describe it is the way Jason described it at one point. When you go to a, um, like a scrapyard, there's just nothing but, you know, it, it was like all the all this junk and stuff lying around. And so you had scrap, you had junk and scrap and junk and scrap and then a Lamborghini and then junk and scrap. And that's pretty much how it was, because all of a sudden we ha we happened upon 6133 and I opened it up. I went inside and I said, well, it's got all the seats. I don't know. And I opened up the electrical cabinet and it was full. It was everything was there. The only thing that wasn't there was the event recorder couple of other small little items but uh it, it was you know, i was like well this is good i wonder if all the engines are there so i go outside down and again it, it's it's minus 20 
it's cold. And I'm that's d- a nice day in Moncton. It is. It is a nice day in Moncton. And and you know what? I'm up to my knees in snow, and I'm, I'm wandering around. And I open up the pan, like I, I open up the pans underneath, and both Detroit engines are there, both transmissions are there. Um, so you're not worried if this if this thing was a house, and you were prospective buyers, you weren't worried about the curb appeal at this point. You wanted to look at the water heater, the furnace, yes, the insulation, absolutely, the floor it, joists. It didn't matter to me. It did matter. It, it mattered. Okay. I was the mechanical guy. I wanted to make sure that I know what Jason wanted. He wanted a car that he could get into it at some point without a lot of money and um, be able to get in, put batteries in it possibly, and run it. Okay. Well, she had to get it home. Oh, we had to get it home. Absolutely. And and at this point, I had no idea that even if it was going to be able to get home, because when we looked at a lot of this stuff, we actually turned around and, and, and thought, maybe we'll put it on a flat car. You, you know, because we had no idea. Um, I think if, I honestly, to honest to God, I think if we had seen the equipment that was down there and 33 wasn't there, I totally believe we wouldn't have done it because it was just too much money. No seats, no engines, no anything why right it's it's it, it's it, it needs to be saved yes but there's other ones which they rebuilt and a lot of the stuff which they took out of it they already put into the demos that that they had as well as there was other people and other via cars which they had you know restored so they're picking and choosing parts off of certain things having parts made this you know and stuff came out brand new out, out the other end but you had this part source and that's why they had all these rdc's there in the first place as part source not to rebuild them and then if somebody wanted it rebuilt you could you had a shell to start with so tell me about the journey home so you, let's fast forward. Yep. You you yep. pick sixty one thirty three. So it took me uh, uh, about ten days to uh, to go over it and uh, make sure I had to change some wheels down there. We got a crane and we did a whole bunch of that stuff. And then um, the uh, um, I had there was an air tank that was condemned on it. Uh, I had to change an air tank. I'm doing this all outside. I had no. We were in the shop for about eight hours at one point. And the, they, they kicked us out because they said, there's no way we want you guys inside for, you know, we, we you could come in for an inspection and then you got to go back outside. Into the snow. Into the snow. I'm doing this all in the snow. And I took two trips down there, by the way. And uh, John Kalon actually came down on the second time and gave me a hand. He, Jason flew him from uh, uh, Alberta to Moncton to give me a hand. And uh, that was interesting because uh, I had a I had a lovely conversation with uh, with uh, my uh, my uh, wife at the time, and uh, she said uh, it was Valentine's Day weekend, and you want to go where? <laughs> so it was. Uh, she says, "All right, very she very understanding. I have to admit, I I'm very, I'm, I'm happy. I'm very very lucky with that." And. Um, subsequently i think jason knows he's lucky with that because i mean i had to get down there and do that so the the journey home was interesting because um cn brought it home cn did bring it home and that and that that was an interesting thing too because there was uh the uh, master mechanic had to pass the inspection and he didn't know me from a hole in the ground and he knew that there was somebody on the property doing some work on the car but he didn't know me at all and uh, he comes up to me in his little cn truck he gets out with his hard hat on, and I'm standing there with my hard hat on, and I'm doing my thing. And he says, so what are you doing? So, you know, he's a nice guy. He's, we're talking. And uh, Dave says to me, what are you doing? And I said, well, you know, I'm getting this car ready to, you know, hopefully we can haul it back. Because it was cheaper for us to put the money into making it ride on its own wheels than it was to put it on a flat car and have it chained down and brought it back and then have a crane at this end to take it off. Plus, it's also a step in the right direction as to what you want to do with the thing anyway. Well, that's correct. You want it to run yeah. on its own on the rail anyways. So right. So I mean, It's we, not effort lost. So so going through and finding wheels that were bad, we had lots of stuff down there because they were scrapping stuff. Yeah. So I would talk to the scrapper and then he'd say, yeah, you can take that or you can take this or whichever. He cut an air yeah, tank off for me. It was a part source right, right there. there. Yeah, it was great. Um, putting it back together to make it work, that was another story altogether. But yeah, that, within 10 days, that was fine. So anyways, I did all the stuff that uh, was required by CN. I had all my paperwork and uh, um, all, all my readings and my single car test and, and everything else. And I handed it to, to Dave. And then um, 
he I, I call he says give me a call when you're ready for the inspection and I said okay that's fine so I, I give him a call on the Monday and uh, he says well that's my rest day I'm I, I'm on rest so I'm like oh okay so, so, so I don't want to sorry I bugged you on your weekend he goes no no that's fine um, and I said the car is ready to go he says okay um, how do you feel about it and I said, because uh, we were talking and stuff, and he, he eventually knew, I knew what the heck I was doing. He got to know your background. Yeah, he got to know my yeah. background. He knew I was a certified carman and uh, and uh, a certified locomotive and car inspector. And um, uh, he helped me out a lot. He let, he let me torches and all kinds of stuff. Because, I mean, once he found out, like, what I was doing, he was like, what can I do? And I, and I don't like to ask for anything. I like to do it myself. I will get my own tools. I will get so everything. So he had a heart for the thing once he, he knew did. what was going yes, on. Yes, he yeah. certainly did. That's great. Yeah. and I, Doors I, open at that point. It really helped out because there was a couple of things I did I did uh, borrow from Moncton. I borrowed a, um, uh, I had my single car test machine there, but I needed some hose. He, he lent me some hose. He lent me his uh, oxyacetylene torches, and I was able to go into the machine shop and make a couple of tools using the uh, drill press and stuff, which made it a lot easier for me. It saved me a lot of time. So CN gets it back, and where did CN bring it when they got it back to? So they brought they brought it to uh, they, they put it on three hundred five, and um, they, they they got it out of Moncton there, and then it came back in twenty four hours. It was a hot freight on the way back. It's stuck on the tail end of where exactly where it's supposed to be. It's marshaled properly. And from uh, what I understand from people that I know, it, cr it cruised into Macmillan Yard. And the yard master up there says, what is that thing doing? Get that out of here. I don't want this thing in my yard. So then it went on a, uh, um, a local to Aldershot. And it went down to Aldershot. And I, at this point, it's been about 30 hours. Okay, 24 hours to get here, and now it's down in Aldershot. And I, I didn't realize it was it had there and I, I i was told you want to see your car go to aldershot i went oh okay so i put the kids in the car and i went down and there's my car i hadn't seen it since it left moncton and there's my car in aldershot it was a neat feeling to see it in a freight train yeah it was um, a homecoming it really was yeah and then uh, within the next day it left aldershot and it was placed at the tmc they the the uh the, the local switcher had well come in. cn traded this old tub of of steel and parts like uh, like it was a reefer full of produce. Yeah. Well, I set it up like a box car anyways to, to, to have it come down. This thing's so got to get this thing's got to move. It's got to move. No dwell time. No, just it was, get it out of here. They yeah, it was a passenger car. Let's get the thing out of here. We don't wow. want anything to do with it. So uh, <laughs> that's what it felt like. Maybe they did. But yeah, I don't know. But anyways, it, it ended up here at the TMC and then um, uh, the, the the hostlers here moved it around to to, to where the other rapido equipment was which was uh, 6917 and it uh, it was here and then i did work on it and it didn't take me all that long realist realistically it took me probably about uh oh maybe eight months before i had one engine running and that's doing you know on my splits just carrying on well, we should say to people, I want to, uh, I want to move on here, Chris, to talk about Edmonston, and yeah, that's absolutely. how we'll, we'll sure. finish up. But yep. before we do yep. that, um, I want to let our our audience know that you have YouTube videos that you have produced uh, covering some of the different preservation efforts for these uh, these items we're talking about. Yeah, that's correct. Sixty nine seventeen, the LRC. Um, 6133, 6133 and Edmonston. And, yeah. and where would people go on YouTube to find the, well, uh, your videos? Uh, well, uh, tie plate calf. So T I E P L A T E C A F is my um, your initials. Is my initials. So yeah. tie plate yeah. calf. Which is my initials. Charlie Alpha Foxtrot. That's correct. Yep. So put that into the old YouTube. Yeah, and, and it, up it'll come. It should come up, and then I, there's a bunch of videos. There. And they got a whole day full of soup. Oh, yeah, it's it's all tech. <laughs> it's a lot of technical. There is some stuff there of moving around, but there's a lot of. Technical. I've watched some of those videos, and they're they're fascinating. Uh, from giving some, giving a motor on there, a bud car, a shot ether to get it going. Yeah. To, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of people who are interested in this old equipment haven't a clue how how much effort mm. and how much sweat equity 
goes into making this stuff. I, this, these things don't just happen. No, and they're uphill journeys. They are very much an uphill journey. And and the thing is that there's a lot of planning that has to go along with it too. Like I'm always thinking, and that's half my problem. I, I think that's where I'm getting the gray hair from. But I mean, <laughs> hair. I, yeah, okay, no hair. <laughs> <laughs> that's where it all went. It all fell out. <laughs> and so, if people want to find out more about those two projects, they can. They can, not that the YouTube videos tell the whole story. I mean, this has certainly filled in a lot of the, the backstory, but they can actually see an over-your-shoulder view of sort of some of your efforts. Yeah, I try and take projects. you right. I think I try and take you right into what I'm working on. Yeah, I try and I try and and give the audience a a look of what you are, what I'm actually trying to fix. Yeah, they're fascinating. I've I've watched quite a few of them, and oh. uh, you're very photogenic. Well, I, thanks, yeah. but I'm not really. <laughs> I, you know, it's so 33 runs now. It's all put back together. We put the drive shafts in it, and that was a that was fun too. After we got both engines going, and we put the drive shafts in, and got, was able to readjust the transmissions to to get them to do what they needed to do. Like I have, I, I think the last time it ran was in 2011, and this is 2016 yeah. at this point. And um, batteries were another big thing. We we got a set of batteries, but that was everything was an uphill battle on this car to get what we needed to get and down and downtime is never kind no to to mechanical things like this like right. locomotives that sit cars that sit no it's, they, it's, they should run absolutely they yeah. need to run they need to stay running if you're going to pardon me they need to stay running once you get them going because yeah. if you don't they will deteriorate it also needs to be said, Chris, and, and, and with this we'll move on to Edmonston, mm -hmm. um, it also needs to be said that the model railroad community has benefited greatly from your mechanical efforts because Rapido has produced models of right. the LRC and also the Bud cars. Yes. And it's my understanding that uh, ESU, my good friend Matt Herman, yes. has been on site and has been able to record uh, the yes. sounds that's from the LRC and from the from uh, the RDC the Bud yeah, car. That's correct. Um, I would say RDC, but it, 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 it's it, a Bud. It, it's a they're Bud. bud cars. It, they're they're Bud that's cars. They are an RDC, but they, yeah. they they're a Bud car. I'm trying to be technical, but in my heart of hearts, it's a Bud. It's car. a Bud car. Yeah. yeah. So from the model railroad community, we owe you a big a big thank you. Well, I mean, I know Jason was probably going to produce them anyways, but having the actual it's right it's night it's night and day because now he actually can get it this is what it sounds like this is what it does yeah and hopefully in the recordings when you have really and i well i can say this from as a model railroader when you have really good speakers in the model to go with uh the the esu uh, loke sound decoder uh, you hear a lot of the nuance in the sound, yeah. like the pings and the, yes. you know, yes. the different, the different sound thing of rockers and things that you, you can, can, you can I, hear. I, and it's funny. I, I, I will admit that because when um, I, I have been involved in some of the sounding up at, up at Rapido, uh, they, they called me up and said, can you come by? And yeah, that's fine. And I'll sit there and I'll close my eyes and I'll listen to it. And the model is sitting there running. And I go, okay, um, Jason or Dan or whoever's it fire it up for me like push f8 or whatever it is there to, to start them and uh so he does it and i sit there and i close my eyes and i can see myself doing what you need to do to start it because the sound is that clear that is success yes it is yeah. very much and so. very satisfying yes it is absolutely yeah all right well let's switch gears tell me about the <laughs> tell me the story of edmonston uh, which is our has been bedrooms A and B of Edmonston has been this uh, is our a, home here for the, recording. This is an interesting project, this one. When did this uh, saga begin? Well, I wasn't part of this. Uh, at the time, Jason had two things going at once. Where he had Edmonston, he had acquired before, the summer, I believe, before 33 had come available. And he had found this car online um through a, 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 a railway um dealer agency in uh, georgia it, it got down there i don't know the whole complete backstory of it so it's amazing how this equipment migrates around the forget forgive me for that but i'm not exactly sure why it was in there yeah. but i know it was a, 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 a it was bought in a deal of other cars yeah, it, and ended it, kind of, it ended that's up in georgia that's not georgia. a stretch no that's not a stretch so it, it ended up in georgia and um I, from what talking to Jason on it, 
Um, I kind of he, he he bought it sight unseen. He bought it because he rode this car and he had a very much passion for this particular car. Uh, was it the best car he could have picked? Probably not. But I mean, then again, it's all has to do with what you know, and um, so that's fine. Uh, and like I said, I wasn't part of it at, at that point. Um, he he knew I could go and do the inspection on it, but being that that being said, I can't work in the states. I'm a Canadian citizen without a green card. I cannot go down there and work on in the states. So it had to be done by an Amtrak certified employee. So all of the stuff that was done on the car was done in Georgia to bring it back, and then it, then they took it to Orangeville, and Orangeville was where it was going to run on the Credit Valley Explorer. Orangeville, Ontario. Or, sorry, Orangeville, Ontario. Northwest of Toronto. Up an, Highway Ten. An about an hour. Yep, yeah. straight okay. up Highway Ten. You get to Orangeville, and, and it's the uh, the Credit Valley Explorer used to tourist train used to run. Which up is there. an old branch line of the Canadian Pacific yes, Railway. Yes, again, it was Canadian yeah. Pacific. Yeah, and and this was going to be part of the Credit Valley Explorer as a a, a private car with them. And uh, that I was fine. So they, it was up there, and, and uh, Jason's employees were uh, up there. And this car, as per all of this style of car, uh, it's a Pullman Standard, made of mild steel. The frame on this thing is fantastic. The sidewalls on it aren't so bad, but the problem with this car is that the uh, there was a design flaw over the washroom which had the air intake for the air conditioning system and the fresh air vents uh, you they didn't have any covers on it so the water came in so when the car wasn't working and the fans weren't blowing the, the water would come in there and just pool and sit there and eventually it rotted through the tin because it's all, all all it was is all your air intake is tin it's not a huge amount yeah. of steel and then it poured down into the washroom so all the walls and everything at that end of the rot. car was rot and it went right through the floor and right through the insulation and right through everything. The center sill and the side sills are fine because they're made of really heavy gauge steel. I mean, we're talking three quarters of an inch in places to make a box of steel. So the car is structurally good, but the interior and the roof and stuff on, at the washroom end, which is the A end of the car, needed work. And, uh, Although the car was complete, they needed to take it apart to get rid of the rot. And uh, Jason's employees did that. Um, it was not beyond them, but it would take them a lot longer to do things. And, in, and in the, like I was saying, in, in between all this time, I was working on 33. And I wasn't really part of that project, I, and I didn't have the time. It's an hour and 10 minute drive up there, and that would take up like three hours of I have a three hour split so I would be up there work 10 minutes drive back I'm not going to Orangeville not not, not at this point where I'm like five minutes from where the, the so I'm, I'm working on 33 and we're doing all kinds of stuff with it and they're, they're working on Edmonston anyways we're going to fast forward a little bit the uh, railway can do decided to pull out of Orangeville and um now Edmonston needs a new home. Now Edmonston need, needs a new home because it, we don't want it trapped up there. So that being said, Jason calls me and says, uh, is there any way, what can we do, is what he asked. And I said, well, leave it with me. I think we should be able, can you, is what I asked him. I said, where are we going to put it? He says, I've contacted Montreal. They're happy to put it with our other stuff at the um, TMC. Our other stuff. <laughs> With our other equipment at the TMC. Okay, so I said, so it's coming. It's it's, it's going to go to the TMC. Yeah. Okay. Great. So then I the wheels started turning in my head. We're going from CP to CN. We have to interchange the car. They're going to need paperwork, even though it has a um, it has a COTS on it, which is a clean oil test and stencil which is a basically a brake job on the car uh, and it's a certified test and it, it, it's certified as its own car. So I have to do a single car test on it and the rest of it there. So anyways, they're going to they're going to want to see that again just to cover our butt. So <clears throat> I took my single car test machine. I went up to Orangeville. I did my wheel gauges. I knew the wheels were fine because it had moved not that long beforehand. I mean, it was up there maybe three years at the max. 
and now it's got to move. So uh, it's well within its, its, its time frame of the old COTS, which is fine. But I asked Jason, I said, you got paperwork on it? And he, I said, don't worry. If the, I, I, th I can make new paperwork, and we'll recertify the car, and it'll be good to go. So I did so, and uh, the wheels started turning. And then I asked a favor of my, um, uh, of my manager at work. I said, to save us time and money, can you do me a favor? He said, what do you want to do? I said, I would like, since Go Transit now owned the Campa. They own the Campa Sub, which is called the Campa Spur now, and it, from Obacode down to the junction at Campa on the... Canpa is short for Canadian Pacific, yes. and it's a link of track that connects the... CN, we'll call it the CN Oakville sub. That is what for, it is. For yeah. clarity. Yeah. To the Canadian Pacific Galt sub. Yeah. And it was an interchange track or a connector that would allow CP, uh, back in the day, went to Hamilton. Yes, correct. With the Starlight. That's and correct. also they used to both, CN and CP both did contract switching at Fort Oakville. Yes. And so the Canpaw track was CP's way of getting on to on and off the Oakville. Oakville sub, that's just, right. Just to explain and that's again exact, to people. And, that, and that's exactly what it you is. You and I can say canpa. <laughs> yeah. But again, somebody sitting in Mexico will, has no idea what the canpa. And correct. it's not Campa, Florida. That's a different no, thing. that's a different... That's Tampa. That, that's Tampa, Florida. That's right. Yeah, it's not. It's, <laughs> this is canpa. This is Campa. As, as, as in Canadian Pacific. Pacific, that's right. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> I asked if my, my manager, I said, I, I got this railway car that's in Orangeville. He goes, you own a railway car? He says, yeah. Well, you have the, along with the other stuff that you are involved with over at the, yeah. And he's like, okay. And so I explained to him. Smile and nod. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I explained to him what I wanted to do. I, instead of the car being brought down to Streetsville by um, Candu, and then CP lifts it out of Streetsville, Ontario, which is basically Mississauga, but Streetsville is a yard. And uh, going to Lambton, which is in Toronto, uh, Lambton Yard, and then the CN switcher coming into Lambton and interchanging and taking up the Macmillan Yard and then back down to Aldershot and then back to the circle tour of the Toronto, big circle tour of Toronto. Instead yeah. of doing that, and the car shows up, and 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 and, and it, it would probably show up and it would be a million shades of color with all kinds of bubble graffiti all over it. Uh, I didn't really want that to happen, so. Had the car been repainted at this point? Yes. Oh, so it's got a brand new. It's paint got a brand new paint on job it. on it. The thing, it looks gorgeous on yeah. the outside. You do and not want the Circle Tour of Toronto. No, you no, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> so emphatic. No, no. So, anyways, um, I, I asked my um, my manager, and he says, "Yeah, I think we can do something. We have a bunch of cars coming down from Thunder Bay. Usually, we had." Twice a week, we were getting cars in from Thunder Bay, uh, brand new go cars, and uh, they—that's exactly what they would do. They would be interchanged at Lampton, and then uh, T16, I believe it was the switcher up there, would uh, drop them off at Obico, and then we would come up with our go units up the camp, up the Campa to Obico, to Obico, lift the cars out of there, interchange them, and then bring them back to Willowbrook. Well, in the meantime, with all of that, I asked my manager, "Can I put? Can I thread my car in there?" And he says, yeah, I can't see why not. As long as you get it set off there, we'll go get it. I'm like, okay, great. So Candu uh, brought it down to Streetsville, and then CP grabbed it out of Streetsville and took it to Lampton, and it got graffitied a little bit. And then it was a little bit. Cause, and then so then it ended up at Obico, and then I and uh, a mate of mine and uh, a... Um, my train master actually all three of us went up in the evening and got two go cars and Edmonston and uh there's a video about about it coming down the camp and then the rest of it there but we, we brought it down and then uh we shoved it into the TMC and uh we should tell people that don't know that uh go transit or Metrolinx's uh Willowbrook uh facility that we keep talking about yes and the TMC Via's TMC are literally right across the main line from each other. Yeah, we're we're probably about um, I would say maybe five hundred feet from a, a go car right now, which is sitting in Willowbrook, Willowbrook. Yard. In fact, we're 
we're yeah we're sitting here in Edmonston looking north out the window. Um, your window's in bedroom A. My window is in bedroom B. Yeah, and yours is cleaner. It is, <laughs> and my carpet's in better shape. Oh my god! I'm just saying. Okay. Anyway, right. uh, and we're looking literally five or six hundred feet north at Willowbrook. So that's just right. to give people because yeah. we keep talking about Willowbrook and the TMC. Yeah, they're, the, they're the next ma- door neighbors. The main line cuts the yard basically in half. Yeah. So you have the, on the south side of the yard is the TMC. On the north side of the yard, you have. So this Willowbrook. is not a big deal. No. To go from Willowbrook to the no, TMC. No, it's particularly not. You just yeah. have to cross the main line. But we're on the try. We're. we're, we're we're on the main line anyways because yeah. we're bringing this down. So, yeah, okay. so we we brought the... the um, that was a huge uh, favor from your manager. Yes, it was. And I, I, I really, really, really thank um, the boys there at Bombardier for giving me a hand with this, moving the car for me. And uh, they did that as a favor for me. So that wheelage was... That was a favor for me. And I, I really appreciate that. Um so yeah, it, it got uh, set off here at the TMC, and then the hostlers came around and again put this thing on top of 33, and now I have another project. <laughs> um, Did you do a face palm? Yeah, it was a big, it was a big face palm. I mean, you can probably see the indent on my forehead still, but. <laughs> Anyways, uh, and then and then there were three, and then there was three, and I. Stop the madness. Yeah, one thing after another after another. Um, at, it really, it turned out to be two because uh, we decided at that point that we should mothball 17 because we weren't going to uh, particularly be putting any money into it at this point and we didn't want it to go back to the way it was. So I needed to shut it down properly. And stored serviceable. And stored serviceable properly yeah. rather than just having it sit there yeah so then there were two so then right there is still three but there was two mechanically uh, yeah yeah uh 33 at this point i could leave it to a certain degree there was some washroom work that needed to be done um on it but it it runs and if we needed to be able to shuffle things around the yard i still have a running unit that i could do stuff with it's not as powerful as 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 the alco um but it still does move the car a car around if necessary so so edmonston became the priority yes edmonston became the priority and um uh we had the money pit yeah i had a long conversation with jason over it and uh i I said he he asked me he says do do you think you could do something with it for me like i'm just not i said yeah i it's not beyond me but it's going to take some time yeah and, uh, well, with all that rod in the bathroom, I mean, as soon, well, soon as you introduce water to the interior, it, where, where does it stop? It, correct. And that's the thing. I mean, we were doing windows on, on, on they were doing windows in Evanston, or in Evanston. They were doing windows in Orangeville for Edmonston. And uh, Ted Wakeford did a great job on, 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 on many of them. But we hadn't got them all done yet. So we're still on old seals, and the seals were leaking. So they, you'd have, I mean, you can see as you look around the car right now. I, I on your window, I think it says leak or spot or something because that window hasn't been replaced yet. It so says seam leak. Seam leak with right. arrows down right to the bottom, which tells me that there's a seam leak there, which means I need to replace the gasket in the window. It means I got to pull that out, restore what's in there. Uh, and what I'm using is a product called POR15, which is a, uh, it bonds to metal and then creates a, it's hermetically seals the metal. And um, after you clean it properly and the rust, which is in there will not rust anymore because it won't get any air to it. So you, you can't rust. So it's, it's a, um, it's like an epoxy paint almost. And it works. Very, I'm very happy with it. Anyway, so the, the thing is, is that I'm able to, to do that with the car. So I'm doing that to the windows. And um, we have a big window order coming in now. And finally got was able to get windows made. That was a whole other fiasco. Because as we said before, things on this are difficult when you need certain things. You think getting glass is easy. I, I tried to deal with a, a, a bunch of glass places around. And they said, what do you want? And I said, can you cut me glass like this with, I need units. I don't need panes i need it's not a ford ranger no and jason wanted the solex glass 
So it's it's a specific style of glass. Anyways, we went, we ended up going back to Prelco, which is the railway glass supplier, and they put us to a, another company in Belleville. Well, they at least wouldn't it. look at you like you had three heads. No, like everybody else was. I was trying to get it locally rather than get into Belleville. But yeah. we're talking. This is months. We're, we're, we're talking. This is at least 13, 14 months on trying to get glass. Now I'm trying to also do it on a budget to try and, you know, I'm thinking glass is glass. I should be able to get it. Oh, you... glass is not glass. No, I know I can that. I tell you that. I know that. I worked actually um, at Canadian Float Glass in London, Ontario for a while. So I understand how the glass is, but Solex is in buildings downtown, but I wanted 13 windows. That's all I needed. I didn't need 487,000 windows like in a condominium. So Does Transport Canada care about oh, yeah. the glass that goes in It this? needs to be a certain type. It's either it needs to be laminated, it needs to be tempered on the outside, laminated on the inside, but a win uh, rooms like this, that needs to be tempered both sides because that has to be an emergency window now. So every window, other than a few in the in the hallway, need to be an emergency access window so if you need to egress this thing in a hurry you can hit it it'll break you can get out and that's what that's we have to make it transport canada yeah compliant. you want some measure of safety from the outside coming in yes correct yeah. so, so you're not going down to mimical glass uh supply i tried but and, no, and, <laughs> they, they looked went, at me with five heads yeah so, i mean yeah that's exactly yeah. it so anyways we got glass on order now it's going to be here in december so i'll be able to go Excellent. through all, all, all the windows will get redone completely and that's really the big thing is is water and airtight. My thing on this car right from day one, instead of trying to rebuild and redo things right away on it, first off, you got if you look at this thing as a whole, and you you take a look at it, your brain will explode. Well, I got the cold sweats when I walked in here. There's too much if yeah. you look at it. Yeah. But if you break it down into pieces, it's not that bad. Okay, so first thing you want to do, stop the water coming in. If you stop the water coming in, it'll dry up. You can take the rod out and you're not going to get any more in. That's the idea. Step two is get the air system working. And it was because we already had the air system working because the car works. So we have air in the car. But now you want your water working because I wanted the water working before I seal the car up because if I have any leaks, at least it'll go on the ground. And then that way I can dry the car up after I have that. So that was my next thing is to get the water. And I'm about 85% with that. This car, when it was put to bed, wherever it was, when it was taken out of service, they didn't drain it. So there is water freezes. We all know that. And it expands. And it expands four times. Like... That's how much water expands from, if you have a, a set amount of water, it'll expand four times that set amount when it's frozen. Well, anybody that's ever made ice cubes in a tray can see that. There you go. That's yeah. exactly it. But yeah. when you're in a brass pipe or a copper pipe, you split that pipe in about 15,000 places. And that's what I'm doing on the car. Hence the reason why I needed the air. So I'm finding, I'm going through and I'm, I'm, I'm listening for leaks. I'm going through and I'm listening for that air leak and I'm spraying every connection. And there's a lot of connections on this car you know, going through each one and uh, putting that all back together before I seal the car up with the windows. I want that all done. So then that way, at least I know the water when I have the water system in and I go to do the, f I'm not going to have a big flood in the car when I put water in it. Yeah. Well, Chris, I, I can see that you and the team have put a lot of work. I mean, yes, it's rough. It's a labor of love. It's but you can see the progress here. It looks like a million bucks on the outside with yeah. the paint, the graffiti's all off of it yes. now. Yeah. It looks fantastic. And even inside, I can see where where the new has met the old. I think the windows are being replaced. So yeah. uh, it's, a, it's a great thing. And, you know, preservation, it should be said, you know, I was talking to somebody recently about preservation, railway preservation, and the forms it takes. And there's many different ways that we can all sort of aid in preservation. There are those who are able to obtain uh, pieces of railway equipment and to preserve them that way through museums and private efforts. But if you think about it, there's also the preservation of railway history through photography. Oh, absolutely. I like to think that what I'm doing in model railroading is a preservation of sorts. It is. And, yes, um, I agree with yeah, you with that. And actually, this podcast 
in my heart and in my mind is a preservation of history through conversation. Sure it is. Absolutely. So preservation doesn't mean necessarily going to Moncton on a Thursday and having snow up to the tender parts <laughs> and beyond. <laughs> they were. <laughs> Talking, yeah. But it but it should also be said that we as model railroaders and rail fans and rail historians owe a debt of gratitude to those who have framed history through a camera lens, through a model railroad effort, through recorded conversation, through the authoring of books. Absolutely. Uh, these are all preservation efforts. And I think that much like an onion uh, is a solid mass, but it's built, if you deconstruct an onion, it's built up of many thin layers. That's correct. And I think if you put all of these layers of photography and museums and equipment preservation and model railroading and video and you put all of that together, I would like to think that the onion of rail preservation in Canada and in North America is is strong. I would oh, like to think we're in a strong state. Absolutely. And it, it's the dedication of these people that are doing this. And it, it's keeping this alive. Just not, you know, guys that are working on the this equipment. The same thing, taking pictures and um, model railroading and video and audio and even you talking about it with some old hat sitting there over a coffee because you're learning from him what his experiences were even if he isn't part of the preservation you're getting preservation from him or her you're my people and i know that you have the same heart as me and we care about this stuff. absolutely you know yes. that's why i've gotten involved with waterloo central and what we're doing up there yeah and to a lot of people, it's just old iron. But to the yes. faithful, yeah. to those who care, um, it's worth our time. It's worth our money. It's worth our other resources. And uh, I'm hoping that, you know, through this podcast and others like it, we can we can shed a light on Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So, Chris, from me to you, thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you to the team at Rapido for caring. Thank you to Via Rail for oh. allowing... Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, this allowing is huge. The, the space here. This Thank is huge. you to uh, to Go Transit and to Metrolinx and Bombardier for for helping out even in the movement of a car. And when everybody works together, it makes the work lighter. It does make it. Yes, absolutely, it does. Like I said, the people who put their time in, I applaud them because it will not carry on without that. Soup. Been a slice. Thanks, bud. Catch you on the flip flop. Yeah, absolutely. This is Bob, and this has been the platform. You're listening to the Station House Audio Series. Via detector, milepost 5.51. No alarm. Detector out.